Welcome to episode number 184 of Take Him With You for August 12, 2012. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in And stops my mind from wandering where it will go I'm feeling the cracks that ran through the door And kept my mind from wandering where it will go And it really doesn't matter if I'm wrong and right Where I belong and right Where I belong See the Beatles You know, the Sgt. Pepper's album was probably... One of the most innovative albums ever. Too bad the guys were on drugs when they did it. Yeah, I was thinking, wasn't that their Acid Trip album or something? Well, I think they probably had several of those, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Okay. It was really, they, you know, the Beatles really did an amazing thing for the recording industry because uh, they were able to do um, all this different track recording. They were really innovative on how they recorded and stuff, and, well, we reaped the benefits of it. So. Mm Kind of cool. Now I can record right here in my own house and do unlimited tracks. Yeah, but your studio is quite unique looking, though. Why is it unique looking? Well, we're surrounded by all these big curtains hanging everywhere and and Star Trek memorabilia. Stick them up. We've got you surrounded. Yeah, you have a very unique studio. Okay. And a dog laying on the floor helping us podcast. Oh, yeah. She's going to fart and we're all in trouble. Okay. You need to not talk about that on our podcast. That's just not appropriate. Oh, like nobody ever does that. Everybody listening does. Yeah, but you're not supposed to say it. (laughs) So we just, we avoid the the smelly elephant in the room. Is that what it is? Yeah. Or at least call it something nice. Not that that F word. Oh, my gosh. I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And you're listening to the Take Him With You podcast. Uh, We'll be back in a second. Jeez. Hello, my name is Meds. And I'm Kelly. And we are the presenters of Waffle On Podcast. Now, once you've finished listening to the brilliant Take Him With You podcast... What in the wide world of sports is that? It's a podcast that's spiritual, but not religious, and all about Rick's geeky life. What? Does he like geeky TV? Indeed he does. What? Like TV we like from 1960 to 1999? Indeed, and that's why he listens to us. That's what we're about. We do British TV broadcast between 1960 to 1999. So come and find us. You can find us at Podbean, just type in Waffle On Podcast podcast or iTunes. We'd be honoured if you'd join us. Thank you. Well, that's actually an old promo from them because now they cover much more than what they used to cover. Well, they'll have to send us a new promo. Well, I've got one somewhere, but I don't have the newest promo because you haven't sent it to me yet, Mads. Uh, well, Mads. He needs to do that. Actually, Natalie, tell Mads to do it. You think Natalie's listening to this podcast? I think Meds does, but yeah. I don't know if his wife does. Well, she might. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Hey, We've congratulations had... to our good friend in the UK, Laura. Uh-huh. Uh, she got a job. Good. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty exciting, and uh, we're pretty excited for her. I think that's really cool. Well, we've had we've had Laura and Dan. In our prayers. Yeah, and on our podcast. We also had um, Meds and Natalie on yeah, our podcast. Yeah, we did. Podcast. Someday when Isla gets old enough, we'll get her on there. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right now she can't. Well, she can talk, but I don't know what kind of conversation we'd end up with. Yeah. So did you get any feedback on your uh, podcast last week uh, about Twilight? Um, Not an awful lot. I got a couple of Facebook comments that they were excited to listen to it. Um, That's probably about it. I only got a couple of comments from some friends of mine, and that's it. Yeah, well, but you know how it is in podcast land. You might put it out like a week ago, but we might have people listen to it a year from now. Yeah, well, our friend Sue, you know, in New mm-hmm. York. Yeah. Or New Jersey, or where are you, Sue? Aberdeen. She's in Aberdeen. Aberdeen, New Jersey, which is clear across the just not United very States. far from New York City because she commutes to work to, into New York. Yeah. Anyway, she was listening to our Art Walk um, podcast, and I told her I was sorry. Yeah. Because we were really tired. We were really, we were really dead that night, and it was we a long day. Making that much sense. So she, you know, yeah, some people do listen to it at I, all different times. I'm only feeling slightly better than I did that night <laughs> because you I got did, better. I I did the same thing I did that day, which is got sunburnt. I went out and um worked at a neighbor's place um giving her my expertise little it may be but um on pruning so i did some pruning pruning major pruning um she has lots of um, rhododendrons which is our state flower what is a rhododendron rhododendron is a bush that grows and it has big fluffy colorful flowers big fluffy colorful and flowers usually around you're so animated about usually it usually around easter time Usually, like in May, um, we have these April, May, the rhododendrons bloom. And after they bloom is the time that you're supposed to prune them. And she had huge ones that were like, they weren't really bushes anymore. They were mammoth trees. So They um, have trees for mammoths? Like woolly mammoths? uh, I meant large like a mammoth. Oh, got it. So um, one of the things that, that I did... And I've I've used this trick a couple times now. Since my son is a carpenter. You go, abracadabra. No. I've found that one of the greatest pruning tools that you can have for really large branches, mm-hmm. or if you're just taking a tree all the way out that has big branches, or, mm-hmm. you know, a fairly good size trunk, is you use a sawzall. Okay. And it works great because you can get the little sawzall blade right into little tight places to cut branches out so that's what i did for five hours today and forgot to wear sunscreen i don't have any sympathy so i look like a bright you know and and nobody get mad at me for that because what do i always tell you that i shouldn't do that well no no what do i always tell you are you wearing your sunscreen did you take your sunscreen? And I think... Make sure you put sunscreen on, because I, why? Because, because I'm white. Very white. Yes, I I don't usually You're so tan. white that your middle name is Mayonnaise. I don't usually tan. I Amy usually burn Moyer. and freckle. A-M-M. Okay, Catherine, those are very nice. We're doing our podcast now. Do you want to tell everyone what you found? What? Awesome Toms. What? She found some kind of native Toms that are really Tribal. cool looking. Tribal. They're very cool tribal toms. Are you going to get those for college for the fall? Thinking about it. Thinking about it. Well, they would kind of go with everything, kind of. They have hey, everybody. Welcome to our house. Yeah. You get to hear what our daughter's getting for clothing. Yeah, she likes toms School a shopping. lot. 
She she is going to sit in a real school for the first time in her life because she's been homeschooled or internet schooled until then. Yeah, her dad's like she's going to be around all those boys. He's not having a good time with that. But no comment. There's like multi glitter toms. (laughs) Okay. I'm buying again. So Catherine. Why, why, why do you like Toms though? Besides, this is not really a commercial. You like a for guy Toms. named Tom? No, the shoes, Tom's shoes. Tom's well, shoes. Not only are they amazingly comfy and cute, they also, um, every pair of shoes you get, a little, um, a child in need gets a pair as well. So people in Africa or so basically you pay for two pairs of shoes yes. and get one. So they're really expensive shoes. Yeah. Somebody you somewhere pay, gets a. You pay like fifty dollars or more <laughs> for a pair of loafers, but then it pays for um, somebody else's shoes loafers and yeah, shipping to go. Have a pair of shoes. Yeah. Okay. Are those cool, like, multi-sparkly ones? Yes. Hello. We are from the United States of America. These are shoes for you. A a girl over in America paid for these shoes. Here, have them. That's cool. That is cool. That shows you have a lot of soul. Yeah, and and she and they actually are comfortable shoes because she wears them in the coffee shop she works at. Yeah, those are the only shoes I wear at the coffee shop because... They're cute and comfy, and I just don't like wearing tennis shoes, honestly. So, yeah, well. But you have to when you at work at, at, Domino's. at Domino's. Cute and comfy. Pizza. But if I have a choice, I'm I just said, I'm tired. I just said she has to wear pizza. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually a joke um, at my work that when I first started there, I accidentally topped Catherine on the pizza. You did what? Oh, I leaned into a pizza one time. <laughs> you, you topped a pizza with yourself. Yeah, so one of my coworkers says to uh, be careful not to top Catherine on it. So. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Catherine, what was your status on Facebook today? You gotta tell everyone your status before my you go. Status? Well, let me see. I don't remember what I said. You do too. No. One second. You do too. Coffee. Drank coffee, made coffee. Oh yeah, I was like, drank coffee, make coffee, make pizza, sleep. Drink coffee, make coffee, make pizza, sleep. That that's been her last couple days because she's working two different summer jobs. So, Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, what did you get to do this week? You got to do something on your lifelong goal list. I got to mark off riding an elephant. What? You rode an elephant? Dad, you know that. But, um, yeah. It was really cool. Was it a real elephant or a fake elephant? Yes. Her name was Patty. Patty the elephant. She's 40 years old. 40, not four. 40 years old. And she's very nice. Wow. She's younger than me. Yeah, but she was really cool. And she's an elephant. I'm not really cool, and I'm not an elephant. No, no. <laughs> You're not an elephant. Sorry, Dad. Okay, well, we should get on with our podcast. Thanks for helping us, Catherine. Elephant. <laughs> oh, I really wish we would have had Catherine with us last week when we did Twilight. Did you listen to our podcast on Twilight? No. I probably I shouldn't even time. ask you, because I, I don't know that you... <laughs> 
I probably shouldn't ask you if you ever listen to our podcast. I don't think she does. Yeah. We could say anything we want about her. Yes, that's a good idea. We'll just talk about our daughter. <laughs> so, okay, where were we before Catherine ran in showing us the time? You were just talking about not wearing sunscreen, and I don't have any sympathy for you because yes. I've told you all these years in our marriage, wear sunscreens, <gasps> and you never do. Yes. And you know what? That just gets old well, really part, fast. part of this is I get deceived because my freckles will start getting closer together and they will, it will deceive me and then I'm getting a tan, but I'm not getting a tan and I still burn. Yeah. Well, I mean, that'd be like saying to me, like you do, make sure you put your pants on in the morning <laughs> and I would just ignore you. What would you feel like? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. What, Mr. Moyer, where are your pants? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't listen to my wife. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever told you to put on your pants. Well, it's just assumed. <laughs> just uh, like putting on sunscreen on yes, a sunny day. I should. Or wear a longer shirt or something. Yeah. Okay, but my forehead got sunburnt too. My cheeks, my nose. And you go, how many times in one summer can this girl get sunburnt? Evidently, well, apparently, quite a few. Quite a few. <laughs> and, you know, I just, like I say, no yes. sympathy here. Yes, yes. Okay, but I love working outside. Worked outside a bunch today. What did you do this, this week? Oh I gosh. mean, I worked at my several oh. jobs, and you had several jobs. I have tons of work lately, which is really a thank you, everybody, for praying for work for me, because I have lots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to um, do a lot of things this week. Mm-hmm. I got to compose 20-minute uh, songs for a gentleman in the UK, which was fun. <clears throat> and they came out pretty cool sounding. I'm pretty happy with them. Um, during the recording of one of the songs, I crashed my iPad. That wasn't real fun. No, I got real nervous there. That wasn't, yeah. you know, I used that for my, well, many, many times a day in my job mm-hmm. to create music and different things on it. And I, um, I was creating a song that was particularly... Uh, what do you call it? Um, well, I don't know how to describe it Multi-faceted? to you. Multifaceted? Well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You had many different layers. It was a complex song. So you kind of overdid your processing or your ability in GarageBand. You, you pressed it to the max. So the file became corrupted, correct? Yes. And then... And then it crashed it my crashed. GarageBand program. Which was not really good. Why are they talking in the background? She's just talking away, like we're not even doing anything. But um, anyway, I had just managed to. I had just managed to record most of the song. (coughs) Excuse me, when it crashed, and so I'm feeling pretty good that I got most of it, which makes me really, really happy. And it sounds really cool. You want to hear some of it? Sure.
What do you think? It's pretty. Yeah, I, what I had to do was uh, I'm right. There's uh, there's like seven songs that are wake up and get yourself going in the morning. That mm-hmm. one's called Seize the Day, and then there's five uh, or I mean there's seven other songs that are um, relaxation songs. So, except for you did have a little problem I I heard the other day when you were. We're listening to the relaxation song that you had recorded. <laughs> I've been working so many hours, I fell asleep while mixing the song. <laughs> I mean, it's designed to, you know, sleep by this type of music, but oh but gosh. You, it was a, a 20 minute song, and about 10 minutes in, you kind of like z- passed out of deep sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and then woke up, oh, uh, I guess I better listen to that again. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, oh. Yeah. So you've been working a lot on there, but you and Andrew um, did escape for a couple hours today while I was out doing yard work. Oh, you're playing! You're playing one of your relaxation ones. Yeah. This is called a binaural beat, and it's a um, it's a frequency. That is supposed to, it's different in your right and your left ear. And then I added ocean waves and some music. And it's supposed to help you relax and go into deep sleep. And uh, it works. It, that, that hum that you hear kind of reminds me of the harmonic frequencies on the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. Where, it, you know, the engine, kind of the hum of the yeah. diet. The lithium crystals. Dilithium crystals, Captain. They do use dilithium crystals in the the newer ones, don't yeah, they? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. They're make believe anyway, but Yeah, they are. It's not real. Yeah. So you've been doing lots of work. You've been so doing I did commercials. That. I did some commercials and some voiceovers. Some voiceovers. I've been working with Stefan on a fish project. It sounds pretty fishy to me. Yeah, I'm actually doing some video work for him and yeah. some voiceover work and music for him. Yeah. And uh, almost got that project done. And I've got another project from the UK that I'm working on right now for a company I can't say because I signed a non-disclosure agreement. And well, I've that got... made that project go by quickly <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. Yeah. And I've got the music and the voiceover oh, done, but now I'm working on the video part I got stung by a bee today. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have scratches all over and a bee sting and a sunburn. Okay. So that was my um, claim to fame this week. Awesome. For work. I went and saw a movie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You and Andrew got away while I was working out at our neighbor's yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, I went and saw Total Recall, the new one. You told me I wouldn't like it. Nah, you wouldn't like it. Well, here, okay. I don't know. It it was a, it wasn't a horrible movie. We have other friends that went to it and really liked it, though. Well, okay. Can I explain? Yeah. Okay. I didn't think it was a horrible movie. I didn't think it was the best movie I've ever seen either. Okay. I think what's going on for me now is because of the way that they're making movies now. There's really nothing left. To your imagination. Yeah. <clears throat> and so everything is so darn real looking that, I mean, it was great special effects. They did a, a you know, the plot was kind of okay. I kind of didn't follow part of it. I didn't get part of it. But that's just me. They had a really couple of really cool ideas. 
And, uh, you know, they had a lot of, uh, well, for me, they had a lot of cussing in it. And uh, and then I didn't expect this, but there was a, a about a two-second thing of nudity in it, which I didn't expect. I didn't think it had that. It, it was um, geared towards the male 18 through 35 demographic or something, huh? Well, yeah. 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 It was uh, definitely different, and it was very sci-fi what you saw, but it was uh, took us by surprise. But it was so quick that... That was that. Anyway, the movie was, um, like I say, the plot was really, it wasn't anything really like, there was a couple nods to the old Total Recall movie, but it really what didn't follow the same type of thing as that. And uh, and I just have to say, you know, I mean, it went by pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't remember a whole lot about it. I thought the music was okay. And um, You know, that's one thing we talked about last week when we were talking about the Twilight series, about how the books were so much better than the movies. And I think part of it is like you were saying, it seems like the a lot of the production of movies today don't leave a lot for the imagination. And you think about some of the old classic movies like Alfred Hitchcock, which I'm not really a huge fan, but they they use a lot of different camera angles and shadows and um, they used a lot of creativity to tell the story and it wasn't just, you know, like blatant. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. But. Yeah. Well, it was it like I, I don't. It was a co- constant action. There was hardly any ever d- any downtime at all. And um, although you know a lot of it was eye candy because it was just it was very elaborate. Uh huh. Um, it wasn't a you know it wasn't a like I say it wasn't a horrible movie, but um, you know, I so, probably won't ever watch it again. So you're probably right. I probably wouldn't have liked it that much. I don't because, think you would have. Well, <laughs> my one of the things I've done this summer is. I've been listening to the complete works of Jane Austen on my um, iPod t- or my iPhone okay. when I'm working, mm-hmm. and um, and if you want something totally opposite of action, <laughs> you have Jane Austen, where it's just all about you know people and their social interactions, and it's it, there's like no action. <laughs> so yeah, that's more my speed is something more about people and it's more complex and not so so intense. I get I get tired after watching something that's so intense the whole time. I, I like more peaceful things. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't buy that, but that's okay. Well, I mean, once in a while, a little bit of action in a show is fine, but to have the whole thing all intense, yeah. I do like like Man from Snowy River, where it has you know horse riding in it. That's action. Speaking of cool action movies, yeah. Tonight is the meteor shower. <laughs> yeah. God puts on his own movie tonight. Yeah. In fact, it's it's about ten o'clock right now where we're at, and here in about a half hour, it should be good prime time to go out and look at the. At the stars, yeah, so, so I'm gonna have to get out there and do that. I'll do that. Hey, um, so th- we kind of told kind of what's happening at our house tomorrow. We have something neat after church. We're going to a um. Well, you have to work some tomorrow morning, but um, you're gonna get to meet up with some cousins that I've you, never met. 
You've either never met or you maybe met when you were just a little tiny yeah, boy and yeah. don't remember. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Some Moyer clan. And, and um, so that's kind of fun. And then for for our podcast today, we're doing something a little different. If um, you ever want to know what it's like to go through a whole chapter in the Bible in about an hour's time and... About 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Um. We are going to play a um, sermon or sermon sermon or what do you call it? Maybe a message. A message that you shared last Sunday at church. So um, we thought that this would be um, kind of a good change of pace here. And we have a bunch of other ideas for podcasts coming up, interviews and different things. But this week you get to hear a little bit of Rick talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. I used to I preached many, 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 many sermons over my lifetime. Uh-huh. Lots of messages. And this one, you know, I just talked out of the James chapter 1. It's not fancy, but I think it's got some good insight there and I hope everybody enjoys it. Yeah. I like the book of James. It's good stuff. Okay. Yes. So I guess that was an intro into it, huh? You just yeah. decided to shut down the conversation and go right into it. Yep. I'm sunburned. <laughs> we need to get going on that. <laughs> but we'll be back next week, um, possibly with an interview. We're not sure yet, so we're not going to say. But We did yeah. have some great suggestions from some of our listeners on some mm-hmm. topics they'd like us to cover, and we yep. thought that would be fun. We, we yeah. liked all of them. Yep. Sounded good. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you cue up your, your message? Cue up my message? Yeah. All right. Here you go. This was uh, on August 5th, 2012, at uh, Connection Church in Aberdeen, Washington. Here you go. I'm feeling the cracks that ran through the door And kept my mind from wondering where it will go And it really doesn't matter if I'm wrong and right Where I belong and right Trust that everybody's doing well today. I, uh... I've got a mess. I had a whole different message all scheduled to, to do. And I've actually for three weeks have been preparing it. And it all just went out the window on Friday night. So um, you get something fresh off the presses right here. Uh, we're going to be in James chapter 1 today. So if you want to find a Bible on the table there, you can go to James chapter 1. And I, I, I titled this message, Go With the Flow, or at least try to. Things I've been learning through times of transition. So this will apply to you guys today. And probably everybody else sitting here. Anybody ever gone through transition when you didn't think you were going to go through it? Like all of a sudden, kablamo, things changed? Yeah, exactly. And that... Anybody that says that change is easy hasn't really experienced change. And it's one of the most scary things for human beings is to change. 
Because change requires action, and sometimes the actions that we have to do to change are not the most pleasant things in the world. Um, most of the time, it's not really huge physical... Well, sometimes it's physical stuff, but most of the time it's just attitude. Amy and I were talking about this. But sometimes attitude can get really messed up when we're confronted with something we don't want to do. I remember when I was in uh, counseling, and uh, my counselor said to me... <laughs> She was so funny. She said, well, when do you get the most upset? And I thought, well, let me see. I get the most upset when I've got to go do something I just hate doing. And she said, well, join the human race because we all get the most upset when we have to do something we don't like to do. Never forget when I was uh, dating Amy and I had a friend that he was probably the most crazy Christian that I'd ever met. He was just, just nuts. And, and I remember staying at his house, and, and he said to me, he goes, watch, he was married, and he said, watch this. And he went into the kitchen, and he picked up a thing, a thing of those uh, yellow gloves, you know, the rubber gloves, put them on, and did the dishes. And I'm watching him, and he goes, here, come help me. So I was doing the drying and everything, which I know is a miracle. And, but uh, he was doing these dishes and everything, and I'm like, what are you showing me, you know? And it was so hilarious, because... Uh, his wife came home a little bit later, and when she walked in, she just went, oh, thank you. And she gave him a big hug and a kiss, and, and he just looked over the top of her, and he went, like that. And I'm like, and later he said to me, she hates washing the dishes and changing the cat litter. So I try to do that every once in a while for her, and it really makes a huge difference. And I'm like, oh. I don't really like this very much. But, you know, he said the rewards were wonderful. And I didn't really question him on that one. So, All I know is that um, there have been many times in our lives and over the last uh, 26 years that we've been married, we've experienced a lot of change when we didn't really expect it. And how we've dealt with the change really has determined how successful we were after it. And really, all of us have a choice. We can, we can either let things happen to us, or we can take advantage of the situation and help, it, help us to springboard into new and exciting territory. And so what I want to do is I want to read chapter 1 of James today out of the New Living Translation. And I want to share with you just a little bit of our journey of what we've gone through and how James is, is a very wise book. Has anybody ever read through James and thought, wow, this is pretty direct? It's, it's, it's an interesting book because it's a little bit different than the rest of the New Testament. It's more like an Old Testament book because it says a lot about this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. So it's kind of black and white in James. But what I love about it is that it challenges us to look at what we call our religion. Not all the time is the thing that we call our religion the best thing in the whole wide world. In fact, there's a lot of people in the world that make fun of the God we serve because of the people that serve him. And that would be us at times. So let's go through James chapter 1. Let's talk about it a little bit. Starting in verse 1, it says, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll just stop right there for a moment because a lot of times when we read the greetings... In the New Testament, uh, we just kind of pass through them. It's like, hi, I'm Paul, glad to meet you. Or, hey, I'm James, what's up? And then it goes on. But if you look at this for a moment, we learn a lot about James in his very first verse. 
And this is what we learn. We learn that he is somewhat of a Jesus freak. That this guy is so sold out to God that he calls himself a slave. And he's not, now this is back then. I mean, if we use the term slave today, we'd all kind of chuckle and it wouldn't be the same as it was then. Because they actually had slaves then. And so when he uses the term that I'm a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking about a radical lifestyle of actually following God and obeying what God says. So it's a little bit different than your average, hey, yo, what's up? I I love God. He's saying, hey, I'm a slave of God. I do what he wants me to do. So listen up. I want to talk to you. And that's what he says. He says, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish believers scattered abroad, Greetings. So he says hello to everybody that are are believers and that believe in God. So if you're a believer and you believe in God today, listen up to what James has to say. Hey, that rhymed. I didn't even intend for that. All right. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What is this guy on? Is he nuts? Because how many of us actually, when we have something bad happen, go, oh, yeah, that's awesome. If you did that, we'd probably think you were crazy. But what he just said is, consider it joy, my friends, when you go through these, these troubles because it's an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I like to get shortcuts going on. If something bad happens, I want to get it done with, out of the way, and to the other side. I'm not thinking about, gosh, if I endure this, I might learn something. Even though that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. And it's interesting because I think what James is doing is he's, he's, God is speaking through him to us as, the, as human beings to look at the glass half full instead of half empty. Because it's really easy in today's world to look at things half empty, isn't it? But here he's saying, no, 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 no. This may be bad that's happening to you, but think about this. If you endure through it, it's going to help your faith. Now, that's a different way of looking at problems than what we're normally accustomed to. Because we want to pray our problems away. Oh, God, let our problems go away. Amen. Whereas what we're reading here says, instead of praying that way, we should be praying, Oh, God, this is not fun. I don't like it very much. But please help me endure through it so I learn something and I can come out on the other side better in my faith towards you. Well, that's a whole lot different way to pray, isn't it? Now, I don't like it very much. I'll be honest with you. I don't, you know, when bad things happen to us or or situations happen to Amy and I, my first inclination is not to go, gosh, this is going to be great because we're going to really be a man and woman of faith when we're done. That's not my first thought. My first thought is, how can I protect my family? You know, what can I do to get through this quickly? But here we are looking at the Bible and the Bible says it's just a little bit different than what we think. And what our job as as a believer in Christ is to do is to actually come in line with what the Bible says, not what we feel. Because how many know feelings can be deceptive? Sure. One day I feel like I'm serving God with my whole heart, and the next day I feel like I'm a rotten scum on the a burn mark on the carpet. 
But does that make it true? No. Feelings are feelings. They're fickle. Feelings are good for us because they're showing us something, but it's how we use them that determines if if it's going to work out or not. I was watching 2020 the other night. There wasn't anything on on Friday night. And uh, I was flipping through the channels, and I caught this two-hour thing of 2020. And the one segment interested me. said that in 1985, there were 17 billionaires in the United States of America. And now, in 2012, there are 400 billionaires. So they took five billionaires and interviewed them on how they gained their wealth. And it was really interesting to see across the board, most of them were rags to riches stories. That they grew up in poverty with nothing. And then they had an idea or something happened and boom, overnight. Well, it wasn't overnight. There's a lot of hard work involved. But they had an idea and it came to fruition and look what happened. Now they're billionaires. And one guy in particular I thought was really interesting was the guy, do you know the the hair salon products, Paul Mitchell? He came up with the idea, him and his partner, his friend, came up with the idea that you wouldn't have to shampoo twice, that you could just shampoo once and rinse. And and they marketed it to salons. And they had no idea that their $700 investment would turn into millions upon millions of dollars just for that one little idea that you wouldn't have to because because if you read a regular shampoo bottle i don't know if you've ever done this it does it says to wash it twice i thought that's what would interest now of course guys like me that have short hair or you know al you don't you really probably don't have to do it twice but for people with long hair you know i used okay believe it or not i used to have long curly hair when i was in a rock band and yes i got my hair permed and yes i did have to wash it twice <laughs> And it, I was really pretty hilarious looking, uh, but I was rocking, I'll tell you. So <laughs> I'm listening to this guy talk about um, how he failed so many times, and yet now he's a billionaire. And he said something really interesting. He said, I decided that when I failed, I wouldn't use it as, a, as an opportunity to stay down, but I'd use it as an opportunity to say, this happened for a reason. Let me learn from it and go forward. And he was totally serious. And I thought, well, that's the difference, isn't it? Between people that make a huge, huge profit and, and contribution to society. They don't stay down. I mean, you think about our Savior, Christ. He went through some pretty rough stuff. But the cool part about him, if you think about it, he didn't stay down. And And... If you think about the people that have made significant impacts on the earth and in our lives, there are people that didn't stay down. They, they got back up and they went for it. <laughs> I was watching a, a little video on the internet the other night of Mark Twain. They actually have video footage of him. Alexander Graham Bell took video footage of him. They were buddies. I didn't know that. And so I got to see what he really, I mean, we have pictures of him and everything, but it was really weird to see him walking around smoking a stogie, you know, it was pretty funny. And as I'm watching this, I'm remembering and I'm reading how Alexander Graham Bell, who we have to thank for our communications and telephones and all sorts of other gadgets and inventions, failed miserably many, many times. But look at what we have now as a result of him not staying down. Interesting. So I thought, okay, successful people in the eyes of God are people that continue to to seek him. 
and don't stay down. Now, what I think is really interesting is it goes on and James writes something, something that I think is a key for everyone. And that is the key is asking God for help. And if you're like me, I try to figure it out in my own brain first. I mean, when something happens, I think, well, how can I get through this? I, just the other day, I had somebody that came to me and done something wrong, and he was trying to figure it all out, how he was going to, you know, he was way out in front of himself trying to figure out how he was going to fix it all. And I thought to myself, because I was reading this passage, I thought, well, we probably should stop and pray. And isn't it interesting that sometimes that's the last resort when it really should be the first resort. We really should pray first. One of the most humble things we can ever do is ask God for help. It's actually the beginning of recovery for, for those of us that have been hit by a, a thing called sin. It's the very beginning of recovery when we acknowledge that God can take care of it and we need his help. That puts him in the driver's seat, not us. You know where it says God is my co-pilot on those bumper stickers? You know, it really should be, I'm God's co-pilot. He really should be the one that's in charge. And in this case, I think it's really interesting that if we humble ourselves before God, he will give us wisdom. Now, if you look in, in verse 5, here's what he says. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking. You know, how many people have ever asked a question and thought, well, that was a stupid question. They're probably not going to. God doesn't think any questions are stupid. And he doesn't, he doesn't go, uh, later, man, I don't want to talk to you. I'm busy. Get out of here, boy. He doesn't do that. He actually likes it when we ask for wisdom and ask for his help. Says in verse 6, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed in the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. Now that is an interesting passage of scripture as well. Because what it says is it says if you're going to ask God for help. Jump all the way in and believe that he will help you. Don't doubt. When you pray, don't doubt that, uh, well, he, he probably won't listen to me because I'm really a bad sinner. I really screw up all the time. It's not saying that. It's actually saying we should actually believe without doubting. Now, trust me when I say this. Waves are horrible if you're not a surfer. I am the, okay, I don't know about you, but when I get on the ocean, it's not a good situation. If I fly somewhere, my, not only do my arms hurt because it's hard to stay up like that, <coughs> but uh, I get motion sickness pretty bad. If I'm not driving the car, somebody else is driving, and we're going on a curvy road, you can bet that in about a half hour, I'm going to need to stop and just kind of settle my, my head because I'm just grossing out. Um, I was invited to go charter fishing. I got, a, um, I got a free trip out in West Park. And that's a pretty good deal because I, I like fish and stuff, but I'd never really gone charter fishing. And we we're gonna go out catch these big salmon, you know. And so I got the got the little notification thing, and so I got up really early, like five in the morning, which is early for me. And I drove uh, with a bunch of my friends from church all the way out to Westport, 
and we got our bait, and we got our fishing license, and the whole schmear. And it was a beautiful morning, and it was like, oh, this is going to be really cool. I had no idea what I was in store for. I even took Dramamine, and I ate soda crackers, because they said, you just need to make sure that your tummy's settled before you get out there. Because if you have any you know, seasickness at all, it'll, it'll be okay if you take Dramamine or something like that, Dramamine or whatever you call it. For me, it was Dramamine, I'll tell you. So, we get in the... We get in the boat and we start to go out and we cross a thing called the bar. I didn't know, even know if that existed. But basically it's where you go from like the harbor area into the actual open ocean. It's the shelf. Yeah, it's the shelf. All of a sudden everything goes woof. So we're, we're starting off and oh, it's such a beautiful morning. The seagulls are rah, rah, doing their thing and everybody's laughing, ho, 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 drinking their coffee and everything. We go across that bar and all of a sudden the boat just goes really high and then really low and I all I see is water and then all I see is sky and then all I see is what and it doesn't stop so I'm thinking okay this is a little bit uncomfortable and then the captain comes on the on the horn and says uh, yeah, we're experiencing uh, quite a bit of uh, wave action here today. We'll put the stabilizers down when we get out there, but uh, why don't we all come into the cabin so we don't lose anybody over the side? What? This is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be out there fishing and having fun. Well, I guess so, but come into the cabin so you don't fall over? Excuse me? Oh. Well, let's just put it this way. I got into the cabin, and that was the worst thing I could have ever done because I turned green. And, and then uh, everybody else, here's these seasoned veterans that have gone out many times, and they're all going, mm, mm, and they're turning green too, and I'm thinking, I'm in big trouble. And then all of a sudden, it was like something in my body said, please empty your stomach of all of its contents, and it did it for eight hours. I'm telling you what, I passed out on the bathroom floor, all right? And this is what I, my prayer was. Here I am, I was a pastor at that church, and I was leading the youth group at the time. And I'm on the floor and I'm praying to God. Please, just let it settle down for a moment. And I'm like, I lost everything. And it was, it was the worst, worst ever. I've never experienced anything. I would never do it again, ever. And that night I'm supposed to preach at youth group. Anyway, finally one of the deckhands came and saw that I was having a really rough time. And he goes, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick, come here. And I'm like... I, I'm not going to move. And he goes, no, no, no. I, I think I can help you. And he goes right across here. And he opens the door and there's these two bunks. And he goes, just get over there. Get in that bunk right there and put the blanket on you and close your eyes. And I'm like, uh. So he helps me up. And of course, by this time, everybody's laughing their head off. And they're all checking on me. But here it is. One of the veterans is out there and he's, he's casting in there and they're fishing. And he would go, blah. And then he'd fish again and blah. He was hilarious. Just hanging on to the side, you know. He was going to go with it. But uh, finally I got in the bunk and I fell asleep and I slept for a good four hours. And when we came across the bar, somebody came and got me again and uh, said, okay, Pastor Rick, you're going to be okay. And I literally, I was just, I mean, I was green. And it wasn't, it was probably two days before everything settled down. I was on dry land and still everything was going up and down, up and down. Okay, I didn't understand that passage of scripture until after I did that. Oh, see, I could never do it. I could never. There's some people that can do it, and they get used to it. 
But, but I read about Paul in the, in the New Testament when he was on the ship and it was doing all this. And there would be no way I could ever. I think of how we ever founded this country, you know, and came across on the ships and everything. I would have never made it. I'm so glad I wasn't a pilgrim. I grew up on the sea. I've been at 25, 30 foot swallows. I could never do it again. I won't ever. If I don't have to, I will never do it again. But, but when, you, when you put it in that perspective, God thinks that when we don't believe him, that we're unstable in our ways. It never stops. And if you think about that, I don't know how many of you have had an experience where you came to know God personally, but that is when the things stopped rocking back and forth so much. It's not that things are perfect, and it's not that everything is smooth sailing, but there's something about believing God at what He says that stables everything out. And I don't know how to describe it, other than saying that I think it's peace. And I think our lives are unstable and unpredictable when we're doubting and when we're in constant upheaval. See, serving God is really not just putting your toe in the water. It's jumping all the way in. Boy, I've got stories of, of swimming too, but I won't tell them this morning. Let's just say this. When I jumped off the diving board, it was dramatic. <laughs> and uh, it was the way I learned how to swim on the deep end. I had to jump off the diving board. I had to let go. And sometimes we have to just let go and let God, and then we're going to be okay. All right, verse 12. Here we go. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, don't say, God is tempting me, because God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now those are great words and they're awesome to live by. However, I have to say that when you're going through a rough time, when I'm going through a rough time, the last thing that I really want to hear from somebody is... It's going to be okay. You know, it's not so bad. I mean, I'll never forget when I broke up with my girlfriend. um, And I, don't worry, Amy. And I, and I. (laughs) No, it wasn't recently. It was some 30 years ago. Boy, I'm that old. I'll never forget going out into the garage. And my dad was working on the tractor out in in the garage. We lived out in the country. And I came in and he goes, boy, you look like death warmed over. Are you okay? I said, I broke up with her. And he looked at me and I'll never forget this. So calm. It was classic, classic cliche. He pats me on the back and he says, don't worry, son. There's other fish in the sea. And I'm, that's the last thing I wanted to hear right then. But it really is true. And when you look at the Bible and it, it's, it says that if you can get through the testing and the temptation, that God actually rewards you if you'll get through it. He doesn't promise that you'll always go over it, but he does promise to be with you when you go through it. And that is a pretty cool promise. Because what it does is, is it makes... I mean, because the, the first thing we want to do is blame God, say, God, why did you let this happen to me? Trust me, I know this one. Especially working in the church for many, many years and then having things go sour on me Tell you what, that's pretty hard. 
Because I, I, I'll be honest, I was really mad at God. Why did you let this happen? I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was, I was doing everything right. I was, you know, I mean, obviously I was doing some things wrong, but you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, why would you, I thought you had my back. Why did this happen? But the Bible says you're not supposed to question that about him because he isn't the one that caused the problem. And when you think about it, our own desires, and sometimes we'll blame the devil, and we'll say, well, the devil made me do it. Or he really is, a lot of times we give credit to the devil for a lot of things he hasn't really done. It's just us. But let's pray for wisdom that we can discern between the two. Because a lot of times there's spiritual warfare, sure. But many times it's just simply our sinful nature. And we need to look at that and say, okay, I need to change in this area. I need, I need to to resist the temptation. Because if we always go with every, every whim that we have, we're going to be in big trouble when it comes time for things to go well in our life. You can't be led by every whim. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. And that's why I say go with the flow. Uh, go with God's flow. So don't be misled, my brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. James uses something I like to call the Oreo cookie or the sandwich technique here. And that, that is, have you ever seen this used in management or in, in maybe your profession or whatever? You, you start off with something good about the person. And then you say the criticism that you have. And then you end it with something good. So you've got the cookie, the, the filling, and then the cookie. And you, so that it's, does, it softens the blow. And James kind of does this because he starts off you know, by saying, you, know, you shouldn't be blaming God and all this stuff. But, but you're a prized Possession. God loves you and he cares about you. And he's not the one that's doing bad things. In fact, if anything good happens, it's God. And how do we recognize that? You know, how do we see that? Well, he's telling us if it's good and it's perfect, that comes from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. And he never changes and he never casts shifting shadows. If we can be sure of one thing, the stock market changes a lot. Our society, our culture changes a lot. We get all sorts of controversial stuff that happens all the time. But the one thing that never changes is God. He's always the same. That, that is a stability that we can come to rely on in our lives. And that's, I mean, that's really has been some of, the, some of the things that has brought Amy and I through a lot of troubles has been knowing that God is constant. And he's always there and he always loves us. I think we need to look at look for God in all the things that we're going through. Sometimes I think we don't stop in the midst of the problems and in the midst of the craziness and look for him. I guarantee you, you, you have my guarantee, just like the men's warehouse. You have my guarantee that if you will stop just for a moment in the, in the middle of your situation, whatever you're in, and look around, you will find God somewhere in that situation. Even if it's the most yucky, yucky situation. I mean, you've got to understand, I've done lots of weddings and lots of funerals. And you would think that funerals would be horrible. And some of them are pretty rough. But do you know that almost every time, in almost every memorial and every funeral, God shows up some way, somehow, to comfort people. 
Always does. I've never been, and we're talking a lot over the last 20 some years. And I've been amazed and, and totally blessed to see that God shows up in the midst of crisis every single time. I'll never forget this illustration that, that I heard and I thought it was really funny um, of the little kid that was scared to death of fire trucks. And his dad said, why are you scared? Because every time a fire truck would go into the neighbor, they'd run over and watch the whole thing. And finally the kid confessed to him, I don't like fire trucks, Daddy. And he said, why? He goes, because every time, every time they go around and they start those fires. And his dad said, oh, no, 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 no. They are going to put out the fire. And it, and it hit him right then. Aha. A lot of times we'll blame God for all these horrible things that are going on. But you know what? God showed up to help. The situation is happening, but God showed up to put out the fire, which I think is pretty cool. So we need to look at him that way. Serving Jesus is much more organic, I think, than going with the flow, uh, and going with the flow than we actually think. I think sometimes we think it's about following the rules, if we're good enough, or if we can do this or that. But really, it's about listening to God speaking through our compassion and our love towards others. When we read the Bible, there's something about it. And by the way, the challenge that we have going on right now is to read through the book of Matthew, by the way. Um, Carista, Pastor Carista has been putting on Facebook every day the different chapters. But uh, the idea is for the month of August to read all the way through the book of Matthew. And there's actually one chapter for every day. So if you're behind like I am, you can do you know, three or four or five or six or seven in a day. It's not so hard. You can even go online. This is really cool. And you can find the Bible actually spoken to you. Just push the button and it speaks right over your speakers. Yes, I love that. That's very cool. I've got, uh, yeah, I've got the Bible on my iPad and all sorts of different things. And it's a a really great way to do it. But when you're reading the Bible, there's something about it that comes alive and, and answers questions that are in our heart. And I love the fact that God speaks through to us. Now, I would be a little leery, and again, I've seen it before, of people that stand up and say, God says this. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, probably don't need to be listening to what they're saying. Do you remember, everybody remember the the horrible cult thing that happened with Jim Jones and uh, People's Temple? Really interesting thing. You know that when it really started to go south, in that situation. He was actually a preacher of the gospel and preached the real gospel and everything. And then all of a sudden, he started getting kind of wacko and he convinced people to do all these different weird things. But you know what he did one day? And I remember this, this old saint that went to the church there told, was on a, a program and he explained what happened. He said, we were at church one day and, and Pastor Jim came in and he got up and he told us all to grab our Bibles and so they did. And, and he took, he goes, now put them under your seat. And everybody put them under their seat. And he goes, today I want to tell you what God is speaking to me. Do you know what? That old saint got up and walked out. Because he knew. This is going somewhere bad really fast. But you know, a few people left, but not, not as much as should have. And he convinced people to listen to his interpretation of what he felt God was speaking to him. That's a really dangerous thing to do. And, and it's even more dangerous when people believe that they can put themselves in that place. Now, I'm not saying that you can't hear the voice of God because 
Because we all can if we've accepted Christ as our Savior. But we need to run it through what I call the filter, and that's the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, or the Bible, as we call it, then we shouldn't probably be doing it or thinking it. I mean, of course, we're going to think all sorts of different things, but we need to come in line with what it says. So, for instance, if I'm walking through Safeway, and God says, I think God says, murder the lady over by the produce, I can guarantee you, that that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> but but that what's the error in that statement? God did not tell me to murder somebody in Safeway. Well, he's never told me to murder anyone because he wouldn't do that. So what we have to do is we have to filter it through, you know, the things that we hear, we feel like God is impressing upon our hearts. It's not as much a voice as it is coming to a conclusion that you know is peaceful and is in line with the word of God. Okay. Verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. (laughs) Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Boy, isn't that true. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that is planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Now, what do we just talk about? When we read the Bible, it actually corrects us in our thinking. And if we correct our thinking, then it should correct our actions. What I think is really interesting here is my tendency is to be quick to speak and slow to listen. Anybody else have that problem? It's really easy. There's some people like my wife who can listen, listen, listen. And she takes her a lot of time to speak. And when she speaks, she can speak all right. But, but she's slow to speak. She's listening to what's going on around her. Ah, I, I so want more of that in my life. But you know, over the years, it has been that way. The, the longer that I serve God, the easier it is to hear what people are saying. I remember I used to be accused of, when I first started pastoring, I used to be accused of talking to someone and just walking away from them. Like right in the middle of conversation. They'd be talking away, I'd just walk away and go say hi to somebody else. And uh, I think that's probably, you know, my, probably some of my, uh, what do you call it? Social Well, no, not just that. It's a, what, what is it, A? Thank you. It's probably part of that going on there too. But you know what? If, if we settle down for a moment, we take this to heart. Listening to people is a really cool thing. You can find out a lot about people by just listening. And I remember after about two years in ministry that um, I found out that if I would just sit and listen for about 10 minutes, then what I had to say was a lot more wise sounding because I, I really, you can hear somebody's heart, can't you? And you, you watch this week. Take time. Instead of getting into the conversation quickly, just, just go, uh-huh, mm-hmm, and listen. And I guarantee you, you will have a lot more insight about the people that you're around by listening. It's amazing. And I'd have people go, wow, you're so wise. You have so much wisdom. And I'd laugh at them. I would literally go, ha, ha, ha. I said, no, not really. I said, I just listened to what you really were saying. And many times the thing that people are saying isn't even really the thing that's going on. It's how they're saying it. And what their feelings are while the situation is being explained. You can find out a lot about people. And a lot of times, if we'll slow down while we're reading the Bible... We can hear God, too. We can listen. We can hear Him. But we have to take the time to slow down and listen. The other part about being angry, um, 
Boy, that's a, that is a, that's a hard one because I know some people that have really bad tempers. And sometimes, I mean, I have a bigger temper than my wife does. She's really mellow. She could have like World War III going off in the front room and she doesn't even really realize it. It's like no big deal until you get her really worked up. And then, then you're in trouble. Yes. But, but anger is a really interesting thing. How many of us do things we shouldn't do when we get angry? Yeah. Really easy to say stuff we shouldn't say. Really easy to be violent when we're not violent people. Really easy to ruin things that should never have been ruined in the first place when we're angry. And a lot of times, taking a big deep breath and you know, walking away from the situation for a moment is very, very helpful. But it's really true. Anger does not bring about the lifestyle that God wants us to live. And, and I think how many times that I've had to ask for help from God? A million. A million times. And I love the fact that it says that God's word planted in our hearts has the power to save our souls. The answer to our problems really is submission and obedience to God. It's really that simple. But it's selfless and most of us don't like being selfless. I know I hate to say that, but I don't. That's not my favorite thing to be going, gosh, I wonder how I can sacrifice today. We wake up in the morning and go, now who can I bless? Oh, I, you know, actually we wake up, sometimes we wake up in the morning and a lot of times we go, now, what can I do to help me? And if I don't force myself to think about God, I'm not gonna. Isn't that wild? But that's just how we are as human beings. It's, it's how it works. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. What? What is this now? Hold on. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What a concept. I mean, we really could preach on that for like months. We could talk about that for months. But it's really, I wrote in my notes, it's so dang true. I really believe the world is full of groups of people fooling themselves. And it's really dangerous sometimes when you're in a group of people if you're not doing what the Word says. Because there are churches full of people that just love to go get their ears tickled by what they want to hear. Trust me on this one, too. I've worked behind the scenes at, at ministries that are big. And if I told you the names of them, you'd go, oh. And although they look really nice on TV, it's not like it is. It, that isn't really true. What, what's really going on is not what you see on TV. They actually have figured out ways to say things that bring them more money and bring them more people and bring them more power. Now, don't, let's not fool ourselves. And think that, oh yeah, this is just, you know, church can be a big business. It really can. And, and there are lots of places that are full of people that want to hear what they want to hear, but they don't really want to do it. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget being with a group of people. And we had decided, all right, we are going to go for it. We are going to serve God with all our heart. And we're going to divvy up the responsibilities. And we're all going to take our part. And we're all going to do our thing. And everybody was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. Until it came down to doing it. 
And then, all of a sudden, oh, I don't have enough time to do that. Or the other person would say, well, I'm just not gifted or talented at that, so I'm not going to do it. And pretty soon, we went all the way around the table, and guess who they wanted to do it? They wanted me to do it. Now, that's really interesting, because we're all supposed to be <laughs> doing what the Word says. You don't, you know, that's, that's, like, that's like coming to church here and saying, Pastor Carista, you have to do everything. And we should never do that. That should never be the case. Where we say, well, we'll hire somebody, we'll make them do what the Word of God says, but we'll do what we want. Doesn't that sound awkward? Yet it happens all the time. Many, many places are like that. Now, not every place is like that. There's lots of really cool churches, cool people. I mean, here we are. You know, I think we have a really cool community of people that we gather together and we try, we try at least try to do what the Word of God says. But there are some people that put the teaching and preaching and, and you know, the word of the, what we call the Word of God in Christian circles up on this pedestal. And not that you shouldn't put the Bible. The Bible should be very important. And, I mean, it's, it's the book that we read that gives us life. I mean, it's fantastic. But let's remember that we really worship the God of the Bible. And some people get so worked up in it that they have these rules and regulations and they want the next heavy revy. You know, oh, teach me this, teach me this, teach me that. Oh my gosh, you're so talented. Blah, 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 blah. All that stuff is nothing compared to knowing God. He's, he's who we worship. And the Bible is just a wonderful tool that explains him. It's his love letter to us. We can learn from it. But we're not supposed to put that up and say, well, we'll just, we just want to get lots of knowledge. Because you know what happens? Knowledge puffs up and then we blow up. But relationship with God enhances and it, and it fulfills us and it, fill, it, and it fills us. If the Bible isn't changing our lives as we read it and let God speak to us, then something's wrong with us. I don't know about you, but I want to be free. How many people like being bound up? It's not very fun. And when... When we serve God, I really believe he sets us free. But I don't, I don't like having all the hang-ups and yucky stuff that I have to go through. I don't like it very much. And that's why I'm so grateful for the grace of God. All right, we're almost done. Verse 26 says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. <laughs> Uh-oh. And your religion is worthless. Oh my gosh. How many people, when you came to know Christ... Had your friends or your family say, oh no, they became religious. That was me. And I get it all the time from people. Oh, well, oh, oh, oh I see, you're religious. You know, oh, you're re And I always correct them because of this verse right here. I'll say, well, if I'm not really religious because to me religion means that you have to jump through all these hoops to get right with God when Jesus already died on the cross so that we could be right with God. But I, but I always say, you know, the real religion is taking care of widows and orphans. And it, it will say that in a, in a moment. But there are so many people that when they open their mouth, destroy all... I mean, they may say that they're a believer, but when they open their mouth, it destroys it. Do you know what I mean? Anybody encounter those type of people? Have you ever been one of those people? I sure have. And then I think, oh gosh, what have I done, you know? 
Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So pure religion is helping people that don't have anybody in their lives and not letting ourselves become like people of the world. That's pure religion. I don't know about you, but uh, gosh, that really speaks to my heart. It, it's, it says to me that there's a whole lot more to this Christian walk that we are supposed to be walking on than what we see in our normal everyday lives. There's something about sacrificing our time and our talent and our treasures for people that don't have enough. I, I remember I was, I was uh, working at a radio station at one point, and I got this magazine from a place called Cornerstone. And uh, I was reading this article on a guy who was in one of the popular Christian rock bands that I liked, uh, a band called Res Band, Resurrection Band. And it was the bass player. Bass players are cool. Well, they drool, but they're cool. Anyway, he had written an article. He lived in Chicago. And he one day took his wallet out of his pocket and sat it on the counter. And just with the clothes, the t-shirt on his back, walked to the Chicago International, I mean, rode the bus to the Chicago International Airport and lived with the homeless people there for three days. And then he wrote about it. And I just, I'm reading this thing going, oh my gosh. What he described was nothing that I thought. I thought at that, at that point in time, I thought, well, homeless people, widows, orphans, stuff like that, they're all, you know, they're out there, but eh, they don't affect me at all. And when he described what their lives were like and how he lived with them and that they were normal human beings like you and I, just in really rough situations, it convicted my heart so much that I got on the phone as soon as I was done with the article and I called the Union Gospel Mission and I said, can I help? And they're like, who is this crazy guy? So I I actually started then working uh, down there with, with the homeless people and got to know a whole bunch of different people and found out some really amazing things. I found out that everybody puts their pants on pretty much the same way. That every human being, no matter the decisions they've made in their life, is pretty much equal before the eyes of God. God cares about everybody. Go figure. And so what I found is there are just as many rich people that are poor There's as many of them as there are completely poor people with nothing at the Union Gospel Mission. It's not about how much wealth you have. It's about where your heart's at. And there's a lot of really, really poor people around us. I started doing something really interesting. And and I try to be go with the flow wherever I'm at and whatever I'm doing. And I challenged people on our podcast one day to do this. And I got a few people that did it, but most people are scared to do it. But I always try to pray and ask God if I'm supposed to buy the person in front of me me, their groceries or not. Or the person behind me or whoever God tells me to. Now, trust me, when you're used to not having anything really a lot of extra, that's a scary thought. And I'll tell you, you can work into it by going to the 10 items or less aisle because it's less expensive that way. But, But, and the only reason I'm telling you this is because 
I won't, I won't tell you about all the instances, but I'll never forget this one instance at Top Foods. I'd gone in, and they were playing that Monopoly game or something. I can't remember what it was. And there was this older, distinguished lady in front of me. And she, you could tell she was pretty prim and proper. Uh, she was probably, I'd say she was probably in her 80s. And, and she fumbled around and got the checkbook out of her purse. She'd bought a few groceries there. And all of a sudden, you know, my heart started beating. And I'm looking at her, and she, she appears wealthy. She's got a nice purse. She's dressed well. And, and it doesn't appear that she needs the money. But nonetheless, my heart's beating and I feel like I'm supposed to pay for this. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Because you never know how people are going to react when you do this. So I just went, well, I've learned now. You do what you're supposed to do. So I went, I said to the, I said, I said to the cashier, excuse me, ma'am, don't take your money. I'll pay for it. And the lady turns to me. She was just about to write the check. And she turns to me. And I, she just looked at me like, what? And I said, ma'am, you have an awesome day. God bless you. And little tears starts working down her eye. And, and I did not know this. All of a sudden, from around the corner, here comes her husband with the walker, the wheeled ones, you know, the cool ones. He comes around the corner and he comes up to her and he sees that she's visibly shaken. And, she, and he says... What's wrong, honey? And she goes, this young man just paid for our groceries. And they both started crying. And, and, and they're like, why would you do that? Well, I don't try to stick around very long after that happens because it's really embarrassing. And I just want to get out of there and, you know, let God do whatever he wants to do with their lives. But they were so nice and everything. And I said, well, you know what? I've been very blessed in my life. And I just wanted to bless you. And just remember that, that Jesus loves you. And they're, they're like... And I, and I go out to my car and I see them hobbling out with their groceries and with this walker and everything. And they're just aglow and buzzing about this situation. And, and, and they go out into a fancy car. It was like a Lexus or something. And I got in my truck and I thought, God, I don't get it. These people obviously didn't need the money. But you see, it, they were poor inside and God blessed them through an act of obedience, through just a Christian that, I didn't have a whole lot of money, but that 17 bucks or whatever it was, I don't know if it changed their life or not, but I can tell you this, it changed that moment in their life. And, it, and it's not because I was special, because they probably don't even remember who I was, but I guarantee you they'll remember that feeling they got when God blessed them that day. Well, now what if we acted like that all the time? And I'm not saying that we need to go out and spend all our money on everybody. But what if we were led by the Spirit? Or we go with the flow? What would happen? Well, this is my challenge to us for this week. Not to give away all your money. Not to, um, you know, run up and preach in the middle of Top Foods. Or, or not murder somebody in Safeway. No, my challenge this week is to listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. And when he says for you to do something, regardless of what it, you know, make sure it lines up. <laughs> but regardless of what it is, do an act of random kindness or do something that maybe you're a little uncomfortable with and watch what God does. Don't take the credit for it. Whatever you do, don't take the credit. 
but let God take the credit for it and watch what happens. Go with the flow. Everybody say, go with the flow. Thank you. At least three people did. That's good. <laughs> so I say the bottom line is that many times we tread water in our lives because we're either blaming God for a situation or we haven't asked for his help or we're being religious and puffed up and we're really not sincere in our faith and our actions. And so I think it'd be a really good idea today if we prayed and just committed ourselves to God more. How's that? Is that cool? I mean, we all, how many can use just a little more God in your life? Okay, let's pray. Father, you amaze us with your grace on our lives. You've been so good to us. I feel like we've been the people that are standing in the line at the grocery store and you've taken care of us so many times that we didn't even realize it. Our lives are full with your intervention. And I pray, God, that we would this week see that more. Forgive us, Lord, for doubting when we have asked for your help. And help us to have the faith to believe that you can do what you tell us you can do. You can take care of us. We do believe that. God, would you help us be committed to walking out our faith in our actions and maybe using actions more than our words. Thank you for all that you're doing in our heart and in our lives. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, there you go. Thank you, dear. Yeah, sure. Good as always. Uh-huh. Did you have more that you wanted to say? Because I, I, I cut you off earlier. No, you had a spiel, you said. Oh, well, it was just, this has been a more multimedia <laughs> LLC production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. <sighs> That was my spiel. How can they get a hold of us if they want to? Oh, yeah. That's a good thing. We really, we need some emails or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like, is anybody listening? Are you listening? Is this thing on? <laughs> yeah, it is fun to hear from our listeners. And I know we get a lot of downloads, but it's fun to get feedback. So it's not a one-way conversation. It's like a community, people listening and people talking or typing. And they and usually do a lot more impromptu questions, but I've been so busy lately, I haven't had time to yeah, do anything. So that, That's a lot of fun. Maybe I should try to think of an impromptu question, but you do so much better at it than I do. I don't know. You're good at thinking of questions. So, um, How can yeah, they get a hold of us? They can get a hold of us um, at our, our website. Which is? Which is www.com. Um, takeinwithyou.com very nice or you can email us at rick at takeinwithyou.com or mm-hmm. amy at takeinwithyou.com mm-hmm. you can also mm-hmm. get a hold of us on our facebook pages and you are rick.moyer and i'm amy.moyer at facebook.com at facebook.com yeah um follow me on twitter at moyer777 you can see my video blog at um youtube.com slash rick moyer777 yeah, so there's lots of ways to get a hold of us, but yeah. please do. Please feel free to please do to write a little thing. Please saying hi, how are you, all that kind of stuff. That would be great. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. So is that all? I already did my spiel. You did. 
Yeah. You did. So. So I guess we'll uh, see everybody next week. Yeah. On the Taken With You podcast. Yes, that's spiritual, not religious. I'm going to go watch a meteor shower. Okay. Have a good night. I, well, you're going to be here too, aren't you? Um, I'll be inside with aloe vera and a book. Be nice and cool outside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody. Nobody or fell asleep listening to this. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Good night, Gracie. Do you remember playing great PC games like King's Quest, Command & Conquer, and X-Wing? Do you remember spending hours tweaking your config sys and auto-exec bat files to eke out just one more K of conventional memory? If you do, then you may be interested in my show, The Upper Memory Block. Every two weeks we talk in-depth about a game, game series, company, or technology from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. We'll discuss the story, gameplay, and technology of the games of the time. But more importantly, we're going to focus on what made each game special, interesting stories from their development, and how they shaped what PC gaming is today. If you remember gaming in the late 80s and early 90s, or you're interested in finding out more about it, come join your host Joe in the Upper Memory Block. That's the Upper Memory Block Podcast at umbcast.com, or find it on iTunes. On September 22, 2004, Oceanic Flight 815 left Sydney, Australia, bound for Los Angeles, and crashed on a remote and mysterious island somewhere in the South Pacific. The survivors quickly realized this was no ordinary island. The groundbreaking Emmy Award-winning drama Lost ran on ABC television from September 22, 2004 to May 23, 2010 and remains to this day one of the greatest television series of all time. Relive every moment of this amazing series as we reopen the hatch and take you deep inside each episode of this epic series. My name is Joyce. And I'm Al. And on our show, Lost Flight 815, we'll cover each episode of this immensely popular series in a unique way. We'll watch the show as we record and share our thoughts and Lost facts while you listen to the episode with us. So tune in to the Lost 815 podcast and visit us on the web at www.lostflight815.com and relive one of the greatest shows of all time. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LostFlight815. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-Fi Entertainment News and Commentary. I am Locutus, a Borg. Star Trek Episode Analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. 
In clinical studies, anomalies interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly Podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by jewelbeat.com.